Women of Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. Is anybody else for real? Are y'all excited today? I need to know. I was getting concerned we had too many Gamecock fans here and I was nervous. It's a bad joke, isn't it? My heart's hurt, so we'll just move on in Jesus' name. I'm pumped, y'all. So just for some background, uh, I had this message planned for a couple weeks ago, and I just think God is really cool. Because if I had done it a couple weeks ago, I think it would have been fine. I just don't think it would have been when God wanted it to happen. And, and I think y'all will maybe understand at the end of this message why it was supposed to be today. But today, we're going to look at the second miracle in the book of John. This whole series on Marvel is about experiencing the miracles of Jesus. And specifically, we're looking at the miracles, the eight of them that happened in John. We're going to specifically look at the first six. And I just think it's so cool to break down how these apply to our lives. Because it's so easy to read them like in a storybook or go through with a flannel graph. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all, if y'all grew up in church, you better know what the flannel graph is. Because... Y'all learned that way growing up. We learned about Daniel in the lion's den because them lions was in the fire thing with the flannel graph. So we knew all about it. Don't be asleep today. Y'all can talk to me. But they, they mean so much more than what meets the eye. And I just believe that today, this is going to hit everybody. I, I, I hope every week the message, you can take something away. But I believe specifically today, everybody will be affected because it is so it is so exact to where most of us are living our lives. It is so on time to where most of us are living our lives. So the title of today's message is Dealing with Doubt and how Jesus shows us how we deal with doubt. Let me show you what doubt is. And most of y'all know the definition, but doubt is a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. It's to hesitate to believe. And so just because we say with our mouths that we believe something does not mean that we actually believe it. Are y'all okay so far? So I felt like this is how I was supposed to really start this message and explain doubt in this manner, in this way. Doubt isn't what we always think that it is. Like everybody immediately when they think of doubt goes to salvation. I doubt that I'm saved. But you can be fully in belief and not doubt your salvation and still be a person of doubt. So far we're tracking at least six of you. Praise the Lord. Because that doesn't mean that you don't doubt everything else in your life. It just means that the, the, the starting block, when you started a walk with God, that you're okay with it. But this is what I feel like y'all need to know. The Bible says over and over that we're like sheep. It says that we like sheep have all gone astray. Jesus, over and over in this book of John, especially in chapter 10, he talks about how we're sheep. And then David, if you look at Psalm 23, Psalm 100, we, we see that we are his sheep. The people, the sheep of his pasture. And, and so constantly we get this picture, this word picture of we're the sheep. We are like sheep. Now, y'all need to know this about sheep so we can understand doubt. Sheep have horrendous eyesight, but they have an incredible sense of hearing. So think about this. If you have enemies all around you 
And you can't see that they're coming, but you can hear their threats. Would that make y'all nervous? Y'all can talk. Right? It would because you, you got this journey that you're walking on and you hear the danger, but you can't see it. That is bad. Like that's, that's terrible. But that's how life feels to, to us. If we can be honest and like take off our spiritual glasses for a second and just be real about how we're living our lives. Whenever we sense danger, but we can't see the forest from the trees in front of us and, and it's all cloudy and blurry, it is frustrating because it's like, I don't even know where it's coming from, but you can feel that there's something wrong. Are y'all with me? And so when it comes to, to faith, because that is that is the essence of what we're talking about here, that doubt is at some level a lack of conviction when it comes to my faith. And in this area, it is because I choose to believe what I see, and if I struggle seeing, it is a problem. The Bible says faith comes by faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Just like a shepherd, he, excuse me, just like a sheep hears his shepherd or hears her shepherd, we are the same. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. So, so by living according to the word of God, we hear it and we do it. But as soon as what I see is different from what I, I hear, I make a decision in my life. Am I going to follow what the word says or am I going to just be a reactionary person that anytime I hear something that I don't like or that's not even the point, anytime I hear something that scares me, right? Because that's really the problem. We see something that makes us feel uncomfortable, so we immediately start being reactionary, reactionary, reactionary. And it leads to this life of this, of this chaotic circle, circle, circle. But I thought this was so fascinating because over and over and over in Scripture, the Bible tells us to walk by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. That we walk by faith and not by sight. That our lives are never supposed to be stuck but they're also not supposed to be going at our own pace, doing our own thing. That as we're walking, there has to be a hearing and then doing. And whenever we just try to do it on our own, we lead to this life of doubt. Because the word walk does not mean what I'm doing right now. I know that it appears that I am walking, and I am, by the way. So if y'all are, <laughs> type your number and say, that's bad. <laughs> You're welcome. I had to throw it in sometime because of sheep. But if y'all are asleep still, you can tap your name and say he was talking about sheep. All right. But it's not, it's not just talking about moving one foot in front of the other. It literally translates how you conduct yourself in the manner in which you conduct your life. It literally goes down to behavior. So watch this. Most of us show the world that this is our culture of our homes and of our lives, but we wear Christian t-shirts and we say, well, why aren't they getting it? I'm telling them what to do. But I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but they don't care what we say if we aren't leading in how we walk, conduct ourselves. So the reality is what we tell the world is, I doubt what I believe. I doubt what I believe, you may have never let that come out of your mouth, but it doesn't matter if you walk in a manner differently than your calling, because over and over, that's what scripture says. So I want to teach you today three different kinds of faith, three different types of faith. And the first type is where I think most of us find ourselves and where I can just openly admit to y'all that I have found myself most of my life. 
I'm talking about as a pastor. I'm talking about as an as a educated Bible person that does not give you a pass from this. How many of y'all know that no matter how much education you get, you still got to walk in a manner worthy of your calling? That if you don't walk by faith and not by sight, that it doesn't matter how much you know. And we try to talk the world to death, don't we? Like we are talking the world to death right now. We are talking on social media. Somebody better talk to me in this place. Haters going to hate, hashtag. But the first type of faith is a crisis faith. And this is what I mean by a crisis faith. Anytime a crisis pops up, you are full of faith. Meaning, anytime a crisis comes to your house, to your life, let's say to this country, let's make it big. You know, 9-11, the whole country prayed, right? But then two weeks later, the crisis had kind of subsided a bit, and so we stopped praying as much. People are reactionary naturally because like sheep, we hear and we react. We hear and we react. The problem is when our eyes don't match what God's word says, we make a decision, what will I believe? Will I believe what my eyes see or will I believe what the word of God has said? And the moment that I think, I can't control this because you can't. Y'all, can we get on the same page? You can't control life. And, and, and the problem is we want to. And if you're not there, then I praise God for you and I'm going to saint you in some kind of side thing because I do want to control it. Yes. Are y'all uncomfortable that I'm honest? Like, I, I want things to be okay. I don't think it's weird. I think it's normal. I think it's kind of weird if you don't, right? But if the only thing that I do in faith is, God, I need your help. There is nothing wrong with God, I need your help. But if the only time you talk to God who wants to walk, that word walk literally is to, is, to, is to conduct, he wants to be with you conducting and walking and going and coming all the time. And if the only time I talk to him is in a crisis, I don't know him. I just know what I want from him. And that's why the world looks at us. And I'm talking to Christians, but if you're not saved, just keep leaning in with me because I think this one's for you. But that's why the world looks at us and says, yeah, y'all go crazy whenever you see something that you don't like and you tell us what to do. But I'm just going to throw this out. What would it look like if we walked in a manner worthy of our calling and then we could back it up with our words instead of vice versa? I'll just let that simmer and we'll just go into scripture. In John chapter 4, this is such a great story, y'all. John chapter 4. A crisis comes up in this story almost immediately. And it says in verse 46, so he came again, this is Jesus, to Cana of Galilee where he had changed the water to wine. And, and at Capernaum, this is where Jesus lived, by the way. It's right on the Sea of Galilee. And it's not a long drive, but it was a decent-sized walk. It would have been a little bit less than 20 miles, but it would have taken you a while through some hills to walk 20 miles. I don't know if y'all have ever tried it, but I saw someone in our church run 20 miles this week and I just thought to myself there better be an engine come on somebody <laughs> but it says at Capernaum there was an official and so in Matthew 8 there's a story of a centurion who is not saved and I really believe this is a different story I don't believe this is this is the exact same story but it's fascinating that in these two different stories you got people that are not saved that are not followers of Jesus that get the idea hey I heard that this dude does this I'm going to go check him out and it says that there was an official whose son was ill 
And it says, when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea, and that's so much like us, and I heard about Jesus, so I'm going to react and go look for him. I want to see what he's about. And that's great. There's nothing wrong so far. We're good. We're good. This is how we respond. And it says that he heard that he was coming, that, Judea of, or that Jesus had come from Judea, and that he went and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, there is nothing wrong with coming to Jesus at the point of a need. So I don't want y'all to think that I'm being ugly or wrong. If you don't go to Jesus at the point of need, I don't know when you're going to go to Jesus, right? It's just when that's the only time we go to him that we find ourselves in this, in this tension, this, this problem. And, and so Jesus said to him, unless you see, somebody say see. see. <clears throat> unless you see miracles, signs and wonders, you won't believe. You won't believe. And the official's response to him was so much like ours. It says, sir, just come down before my child dies. He doesn't say, you're right. All you got to do is speak. All you got to do is do whatever. You're, you're Jesus and I'm not. It's your way. Your ways are higher than our ways. You're, but, and, and, and because he didn't know him, he was still responding in a crisis faith. And he said, I just need you to do something. Please help. And we panicked. Y'all, I'm just really on this today. Most of my life I found this, that I get really passionate about things in a crisis situation, but I don't operate in them on the front end. The weight is on the front. The weight is before we do it. The, the weight is before that thing happens, and then we, as Christians, go to boycott Disney. Y'all can be quiet if you want to. What is that? Like, why do we think boycotting Disney's going to matter? Y'all still watch the ESPN when you boycotted Disney. That's dumb, right? It, we didn't do anything. What if we conducted ourselves in a manner on the front end and stopped trying to point fingers at people that don't even know Jesus? It's okay if you don't clap. I still love you. But can't we kind of all see ourselves in this, in this one? I don't have percentages. Like, most percentages are made up on the spot anyway, so we can just come up with something and y'all can just go with it and think that I'm right. But I just believe a lot of the church, and I'm not talking about four points, I'm talking about capital C church around the world, the global church, the kingdom of God. I believe that most of us find ourselves here. Pastor, why would you say that? Because if not, his imprint would be on the world and everything would be changing. Because when we say over and over and over to nausea, I'm sure y'all get tired of it, that we're going to change the world, that I believe with every drop of my being that God called us here not to just have another church or not to just see how many people we can pack into buildings how many times. I don't care about all that, y'all. I want to leave a mark and an imprint so our children's children's children can keep that thing going and we'll see the kingdom take over this whole world. I'm going to build a soapbox for two minutes and then I'm going to get back off of it. Here's what I get frustrated with. I put a video out in a, in a like letter, whatever, to the country because I really felt like the Lord told me to. Um, but this is my frustration. Christians on, are on both sides of an argument that happened in the last week and a half. And if you don't know about it, then... <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> like, I'm just impressed with you because that rock is really big that you live under. But <clears throat> to God be the glory for your rock. But I think the thing that I find most frustrating is that we speak loud and with venom 
as soon as someone disagrees with us rather than sitting across from them and saying, can we have a conversation? I've never said that you have to agree with that conversation. I'm just saying that if you have confidence in what you believe and why you believe it, you're not threatened by what they believe. And whenever we react in harsh words, it's because we feel threatened by their truth. And the reason that Christianity is not something that people want to accept is because we feel threatened by their faith because they have more faith than we do. And the thing that, I, that God's really been moving in my heart lately is, Mark, I want you to speak, but I don't want you to worry about where it travels. I want you to speak on the back end of where you're walking. So stop being a reactionary Christian. Stop trying to correct Hasten every time he does wrong and walk with him and show him how to do it. Stop trying, stop trying to fix everybody and walk with them and show them how to do it. Give grace like I gave grace to you and show them how to do it. What if we conducted ourselves in that manner? Yo, it's okay to disagree with each other. But it's not okay to disrespect each other. And the moment that we do, we tell the world the truth. We are crisis Christians. And that's where our faith is stopped. And our intimacy level with God only exists when we need him. And it is miserable. Y'all, this is a miserable life. I'm going to be honest with you, and this is controversial, but I'm not apologizing at all. I believe this is a worse life than being lost. Now, your end is much better because you're going to heaven if you're saved. But on the planet Earth, while you're walking with Jesus, if the only thing you are is a reactionary Christian, you take on the enemy's assault but you only live with God when you need him. I'm telling you, we don't have enough awareness to know that we need him all the time. So, so we live this roller coaster life full of sin, full of hate, full of angry, full of envy. And we go, why do they have more than I have? It's not about what they have. It's about what you've got in you is the spirit of the living God. And he wants to walk with you in intimacy, not just when you think you need him. And when I think I need him, because I don't want to throw this all on y'all because I find myself sitting right beside y'all. So the first one is a crisis faith. And this need exists. A crisis faith. Second one is a confident faith. Say confident. confident. That's a big shift from crisis to confidence, y'all. That's a big shift in our hearts, and it's not a magic trick that takes off. It's something that happens in our hearts where we go, I don't hope that it happens. I believe that it has happened and I'm going to see it take place. Now watch this. Verse 50 says, Jesus said to them, go, your son will live. And at that time, if you're still in crisis, you say, Jesus, you don't understand he's dead. He's dying. I've got to have you come with me. I'm going to tell you the way to do it. But a confident faith shifts and says, I believe the word that you spoke. I believe the word that you spoke. Here's why I love Matthew 8, y'all. This centurion looks at Jesus who's not even saved and said, I'm not worthy of having you in my home, but if you'll speak the word, if you'll speak the word, somebody say speak. If God has spoken, it is done. Do y'all know that? If God has spoken, it is done. Every single promise of God in the Bible is true and we can claim it as our own. 
But if there's a tagline at the end of it, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face. If we haven't humbled ourselves, prayed and, and sought his face, why do we believe that America's going to be healed? Because humility doesn't look like crisis. Humility falls on our face and says, what can I do to help you? And how can I leverage who I am to find out what you need? It changes everything. And it's because a shift takes place and you become a confident follower of Jesus. That I have this confidence about me, not cockiness, y'all. It is not the same thing. But I am convinced in my heart of what is true and what God said. Listen, listen, this is huge. I think this is the biggest thing that we miss, what God said about me. Like, I can believe for you. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? I can believe this for you. But as soon as it hits back on me, I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that because I know too much about me. Sometimes I have conversations with God where I'm like, are you sure? Because <laughs> I did this and I did this and I did this and we just have an amazing God. That I'm not saying there's not a consequence to our sin because there certainly is, but I'm saying that he looks at our sin when we confess them and says, what sin? I've chosen not to bring those up ever again. And we begin to believe what Jesus speaks about us. And listen, it says that he went on his way. And as he was going down, so, so watch, watch, watch. This is crazy. He is then conducting himself, walking in his, he didn't just say, I believe, and then go back to panicking. He left and said, I believe. I, that is a crazy tension when you've walked out of crisis going, I believe, but I still feel this thing in the back trying to pull me back to crisis faith. I feel it. I, I know that it's trying to pull me back. We've all been there if you've stepped out of there. And it is a literal stepping out. It is a literal stepping out. It, it, it is a shift that takes place in your heart. And when that happens, there will be stuff that makes you want to come back. And maybe, just maybe that at that moment when the person walked up to him, he might have had this thing pop up in his mind. I hope this is good news. But there was this confidence about him. And y'all, when this starts raising up in your life and hits your mind and changes your heart, you know it's good news in your heart before it gets there and you believe. I don't care in this story. I don't care if the guy would have said he's gotten worse. The moment that you walk out and you say, I'm confident in the Lord and he has spoken something to you, you can stand on it. I don't care what news you give me. If God said it to me, it's done. And as he was going on his way, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. Y'all, I'm just telling you, God has a funny way of doing this. Whenever you actually step out and say, I'm going to do it, he's got a funny way of just affirming you. Because God loves you and he's not trying to play tricks on you ever, ever, ever. He just allows the test to come to our faith so that they can grow. And he's amazingly gentle and loving that he will let these things happen so we'll walk out and say, it's not just crisis, it's confidence. I'm going to walk with you. And then he'll show his amazing love through something that we would never wish on our enemies, y'all. We would not wish on the people we dislike that their kids are suffering unto death. But God lets bad things happen to us, quote unquote, so that we'll walk by faith and not by sight. And so we ask him, can you tell me the hour? Like, I know that it happened, and I know, but I just want to know the hour. I love this part so much, y'all. I can't tell you how many times I wish I could just go through, and just this week alone, the Lord, y'all, I was, I was standing in here um, 
I think it was Tuesday morning, and I just felt like while I was writing and studying and doing whatever I was doing in a meeting, I just felt like I was supposed to come in here and play worship music and pray. And the Lord told me something very specifically. It was like, okay, sounds good. And he told me to do something, and he spoke something to me, and I wrote it down, and I said, man, that's pretty, that's a lot, and that's awesome. I'm telling y'all, before God, a few hours later, one of my best friends in the world that preached here on our five-year anniversary, he texted me almost the exact same thing. I mean, like, almost word for word. And gave me Joshua 1-4 and said, bro, I think God said this at this time. And I just said, what was the hour? <laughs> like, that's freaking crazy. But it's not crazy. It's a shifting from crisis to confidence. So that I will walk in a manner and let my words back me up, not try to make my words talk me into what I want to believe. Because that's where most of us live, right? We think we think it. So we think if we talk enough about it, maybe we'll start catching up to it. You'll never catch up to it. you got to walk in front and let your words make it go farther. And they said it was about, they said to him yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Y'all, that's good because he knew right when Jesus said it. He knew right when he did it. And here's the shift that, listen, this is the goal. And this is where I'm going to start. This is where I'm going to start landing. This is where I believe that for us, we can begin to understand how we change the world. Because it's such a big, weird thing to say, right? We're going to change the world. I just hope that I can change my kid's diaper today, Pastor. Right? <laughs> Jesus' name. <laughs> but y'all, there's something about the third part of faith that changes everything. Here's what I think is funny about this one. Because it's gone from crisis to this confidence. I, I'm convinced in my heart. And then a shift takes place where I don't have to manufacture it or do it. People start taking notice. And it's the contagious faith. Here's what the contagious faith is, y'all. The contagious faith is, I don't know what you got, bro. I don't know what you got, ma'am. But I saw you walk through this journey. And you still loved people. Like, what's up with that? Are you okay? Right? People are going to ask you stuff like that. Is everything all right? Because you should be angry. Someone messed with your family and you forgave them instead of punching them in the face? Because here's the truth. And I'm not asking you to agree with me today. I'm asking you to let it sink in for a minute and you decide for yourself. We do a great job of amening in church. We'll amen the pastor. We'll amen the word. We'll amen the song. But let a crisis come to our house and the truth comes out. Let someone mess with my family. And when I preach and preach and preach and beat my head against the wall about grace and I say grace and I say grace and we got to remember grace and if we don't, bitterness comes up and all this stuff. But as soon as someone messes with my family, if my natural reaction is to punch them and not to defend them, hoping that a crisis can be averted, if, if I'm not walking in that manner, then the crisis will come up as soon as the crisis comes and my real faith will shine out. So I may believe that I have a contagious faith because I can say some cool words to people. But as soon as the difficulty comes, the truth comes out. And the reality is in the church today, we don't have a contagious bunch of people globally and even locally, there's been so many times in the last week, 
two weeks since this message was ready to be preached that I've thought to myself, I'm talking a lot. But what is Haston seeing? What is Laney seeing? What is Leah seeing by how I'm conducting myself? Because they're the closest. What do my friends see? What does my family see? Because when difficulty comes, if I'm just a reactionary, up and down, crazy, this is not about a personality type, by the way. This is about how we walk. God made us on purpose with our personalities. Don't apologize for that. Ask yourself, if you're so passive that you never move, or you're so aggressive that you never stay still, is that really the way that God intends for us to conduct ourselves, to walk in freedom with him? And then look what happens, y'all, in this story. It's so good. It says, the father knew the exact hour that Jesus said, your son will live. And he said, and he, he himself believed, and his whole household. This is the point of the contagious faith, y'all. That when I begin to conduct myself saying, I'm not going to stay in just a crisis mode, but whatever God said, I'm going to believe, I'm going to walk with it, and I may not be able to see it because I walk by faith and not by sight, and people around you will say, I believe too. I believe too. Your faith affected me, and it changed me. And it says that this was now the second miracle after the water to wine. And so, so this was my question is, so now what do we do with it? That's awesome, Pastor. Praise the Lord. What do we do with it? I believe we have to ask ourselves this question. And I believe this is for every single one of y'all in the room. I think it hits us all. Where are you? See, the reality is some of us aren't even in crisis faith mode because the reality of crisis faith mode is there is still a realization of who Jesus is. We just only want him when we're in trouble. But there's some of us that aren't sure about this whole Jesus thing yet. And here's why I think that's the case. Maybe this is the, the best passage in all of the Bible about doubt. There was a disciple in the Bible. Y'all, if your nickname starts with doubting, how many of y'all know you have doubt problems? Hashtag doubt problems, Thomas. Like, his name was Doubting Thomas, and so you know that this dude had some issues. Like, is, is, is Carolina Panthers going to win today? I doubt it. Like, he was that dude, right? He was that dude. No matter what it is, is the sky blue? I doubt it. Like, you didn't want to be around him. He was this Doubting Thomas dude. He was crazy. But Jesus took every situation and taught us so much about his great love. Listen, Jesus is not mad at you in your doubt. He just doesn't want you to stay in your doubt and live a constant reactionary life. He wants you to realize that if, listen to me very carefully and take this like it's supposed to be taken. If there are problems in your home, a lot of times, a lot of times, it's because we tell our children to do one thing, but we are operating in a manner that is different than our words are saying. It changes when we are walking and backing it up. That does not mean you won't face difficulty. You will face unbelievable difficulty. So that is not a guarantee that your kids won't lose their minds. In Jesus' name. But what does, but what it does mean, y'all, is I believe what Proverbs chapter 20 says, that if we walk in that manner, our children will follow us. Even if it takes them 35 stinking years to figure it out. I'm going to agree with Angela on that one. It might be y'all's kids, but 14, just kidding. But this is the story in John chapter 20, which is such a crazy ending of this, of this book of John. 21 is a, a weird 
chapter in the Bible because it kind of is, is a standalone. It could almost be John 2. But, but John 21, Jesus, or John 20, Jesus has, has risen from the dead. He's died and he's risen from the dead. And it says that the disciples told uh, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. But Thomas said, bro, I don't care if you've seen him or not. I don't walk by faith and not by sight. I'm doubting Thomas. Remember, that's my name. So I need to see it. And, and watch what he says. He says, unless, unless I see, y'all say, I see. Unless I, unless I do that and we've all been there. I'm not sure about all that. Well, there's some things that we need to say I'm not sure about, right? But not Jesus, because we walk by faith and not by sight. And it says, unless I see his hands and the marks of the nails. He says, unless I can place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hands into his side where they shove the spear in, I'll never believe. I love this. Eight days later, his disciples were inside and Thomas was with them. I just need to just say this about Thomas for a second. I'm, I'm trying to give Thomas some love and some grace. If this first part happens, you're supposed to believe, okay? Maybe y'all will get it in just a second, those of y'all that stayed quiet. It says the doors were locked and Jesus came in. <laughs> Yo, listen. He's who he's saying he is if he does this. You won't beat me up, Scotty, right? <laughs> Why do you still have to touch the nail holes? I'm like, Thomas! <laughs> We've all got Thomases in our lives. Somebody say amen. Because Jesus was just showing off right there, and I love that about him. Jesus could have opened the door. He is the door. Of course he could open it, right? Come on. But he had, he had transformed in his resurrected body and he just walked in and, and I, I, I really was joking right there but I just think about this as much as I'm beating Thomas up messing around y'all catch this how many times has Jesus walked through a door for us and we're so blind by what we're trying to see that we can't hear our shepherd's voice that we've so not walked by faith that it doesn't matter what happens so this is the irony of this y'all the irony is we've said I've got to see it to believe it. But we're so blind that there's nothing to see here. Like I feel like that could be the whole message, nothing to see here. If you miss him walking through a wall and a door, you ain't going to get it. But this is what's so great about our Lord. If I'm Jesus in this point, I'm looking at him saying, hey man, you didn't see that? Are you not entertained? Like, come on, bro. That's not how Jesus conducts himself. If we ever want to know what it should look like to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, it's when, it's when soldiers come up to kill you and an ear gets cut off by Peter who's trying to do the right thing, but he's trying to figure this thing out. He's still in crisis mode at this time. And Jesus calms him down and calmly puts the ear back on and said, this is part of God's call for my life. That's crazy but it's our destiny if we walk with him. And instead of reacting like I would have done, what is wrong with you? Jesus came in and stood and said, peace be with you. I'm giving you the peace that I have already. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger right here. I, I want you to get this. And put your hands out and, and, and place it in my side. He says, don't disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas said, my Lord 
and my God. That is so powerful. Because a lot of us have said that Jesus is God, but what changes everything is when we say he's our Lord. It's not enough to know about him, y'all. Faith starts when we have this realization of you're not just the supreme being of the universe, but you're also my Lord. You're the one that walks with me. You're the one that loved my soul. You're the one that wants intimacy with me every day. It is not a burden to walk with God. It's, it's amazing grace. And Jesus said, have you believed because you've seen me? Y'all, this is for us right here. Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet they believe. Maybe my favorite verse in the Bible, seriously, my favorite verse, is the next couple verses, and specifically verse 31, because if you ever want to know what the wrap-up is of an of a entire chapter, entire book of the Bible, Sometimes it's easy to miss, but John like put it out there in red and, and shined it out for us. And this is what he said. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Watch this. He says, but I wrote all these things down. Everything that I wrote down was written on purpose so that you might believe. And as a result of believing, have life in his name. Y'all, the purpose of today and the purpose of what we do is that you might believe and then walk in new life, that you'll walk in a freedom, that you'll step out of death and you'll walk into life, that you won't stay stuck and get out of hell free only, but you'll realize that God loves you, has a plan for you and knows everything that's happened to you. He's waiting on you to listen to his word and walk. Walk with him. Walk with him. And so to close, this is what I can't get off my mind, y'all. I mean, it has been ringing in my ears for weeks. Matthew chapter 11 talks about the yoke and the burden, that his is light and easy, that it's better. But the message version of the Bible is just, that's the part that's ringing in my ears because this is what it says. It says that we're to learn, learn the unforced. Y'all say unforced. Say it one more time. Say unforced unforced rhythms of grace. And this is the deal, y'all. Most of us might like what we hear, but then we try to force it to somebody or we try to push it out or we try to pull it out. And God never intended for that to be how we conduct ourselves. The reason they don't want what we have is because we're not walking in the unforced rhythms of grace. We're trying to force grace. His grace cannot be forced. It's only received as a gift. And it's when people go, I don't just need him for a crisis. I don't just need him whenever I want something. I need him because he's my God and my Lord. And I, and I just want to walk. And I want to let my words back up what I'm saying. And y'all, can I just tell y'all this? I feel such a freedom in my life. I don't know if y'all can tell. I think Leah would say amen and the people closest to me maybe, but I, I don't feel like I've got to move the ball. I feel like if I will walk in my unforced rhythm, he's already changed the world. I just get to experience it. That's what the offering is to you. Salvation begins when you say, I want you to be my Lord. Will you bow your heads? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, y'all, I just believe that there's people that need to say, I want to walk with God today. I want a contagious faith that moves everything. 
but I want to start that with just taking a step today with Jesus. If you're lost and you know you've never said yes to Jesus, said you're my God and my Lord, I will follow you. I believe you are who you say you are, and I choose today to make you my Lord. I just want you to throw your hand up. Nothing forced. I just want you to throw your hand up and say, that's me, man. I'm ready to walk with him. Come on, all over the room. Who are you? I'm not going to push you. Thank you. I want you to say, I want you to just say, that's me. That's me. That's me. I feel like everybody else, I feel like everybody else, this message was for you. And can I just say this? If a miracle feels like it's out of reach, don't you ever, ever, ever let doubt creep in to believe that you got to force it. God's doing it. You just got to let your mind catch up to what he's already done in you. I feel like there's some people that need a miracle in this house. If you can move, I want you to move right now if that's you. I don't want you to move and say, I got to force this miracle. I want you to move and say, God, this miracle is for me today. I am, I am standing up and receiving the word. I will not walk by faith, but I will walk, or I will not walk by sight. I will walk by faith. I choose to believe. I choose to believe. If you know that I'm talking to you and that God has spoken a word to you today and you know this miracle that is coming to your house has already been done and you just get to walk in it and you'll be told the hour that it's already happened when it happens and you'll celebrate the fact that Jesus said that it's done. If that's you, I just want you to stand as I pray. God, we stand in your presence and we're in awe of you. God, it's not what we do but it's who you are. God, help our crisis faith shift to a contagious faith and help us believe. Help us lock arms together. Help our faith be so amazing that when we speak, it will be out of love so that we can connect and unify the body of Christ and that we won't hope that the government can dictate how we live, but we will permeate in this country and around the world and they will begin to see how we conduct ourselves and it will change society. We believe that's your destiny for every single Christ follower and we declare ourselves yours. You're our God and you're our Lord. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Y'all just stand with us and sing.